Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be Hannah's Prayer. Let's begin today in 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in the ninth verse, it says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. In this chapter, we find Hannah's prayer. Hannah desperately wanted a child, but she wasn't able to have one. Verse 2 tells us, but Hannah had no children. Over time, Elkanah's other wife, Penina, who had children, began to give Hannah a hard time over the fact that she was barren. This bothered her and led to her becoming depressed and sorrowful. In verse 15, she says, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Verse 10 also tells us, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. This was a deep sorrow that affected her entire being. It was a sorrow that over time was weighing her down and wearing her out. It became a burden. She couldn't even find peace and solace in her own home, because it was Penina that was making it that much harder for her. This is an example of Matthew 10 and 36, when Jesus said, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. We see an even clearer picture of the depth of her sorrow earlier in the chapter. Verses 5 through 8 say, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved, and not I better to thee than ten sons? Elkanah tried in vain to comfort her, but it didn't suffice, because she had her heart set on having a child 
That was the desire of her heart. There are a few lessons that we need to take away from this chapter. Understanding Hannah's sorrow and how it affected her provides necessary context. The first lesson that we learn from this chapter is the importance of determination. Hannah wouldn't give up her desire, and she wouldn't let her sadness destroy her faith in God. The enemy wanted her to give up and to lose faith. The devil tried to infect her with bitterness. Because if left unchecked and unaddressed, it quickly becomes a wound that festers but won't heal. He tried to provoke her, to agitate her, and constantly remind her of what she didn't have. But these attacks didn't work. Hannah was a woman of faith, which is what made the difference in her life. While the enemy was trying to get her caught up in the present, always seeing her present conditions, she was able to see beyond them. She was able to see the promises of God, see their manifestation, and claim them for her life. Catherine Kuhlman, a famous evangelist, once said, Faith is not believing what you see, but rather seeing what you believe. Hannah was able to see what she believed, and it was this that gave her the determination that she had. This is why the attacks of the enemy weren't successful on her. The determination that she had was evident in her actions. Verse 7 said, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, even though she was still barren, even though she was mocked and ridiculed, she still went up to the house of the Lord every year and made offerings. She didn't let the fact that she didn't get her desire stop her from serving God. She kept pushing forward in faith. The second lesson that we learn from this chapter has to do with her prayer. Verse 10 is very important. It says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. She was in bitterness. It was consuming her. She was immersed in it. Bitterness of this level drives a person to action. In most cases, it drives a person to give up and to stop trying. But with Hannah, it was a different story. Hannah's bitterness drove her to prayer. Any time that we're going through hard times in life and enduring sorrow and pain, we need to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 tells us, Pray without ceasing. Luke 18 and 1, referring to Jesus, says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We are called to always pray, no matter what season of life we're in, whether times are good or bad. The enemy will try to lie to us and tell us that our prayers don't matter, or that God doesn't hear our prayers or doesn't care about them. But we can't fall for these lies. We can't allow ourselves to give the enemy any ground. If the devil is successful in getting us to stop praying, he in effect cuts our lines of communication with God for a time. Prayer is our greatest asset. We have to use it. This is what Hannah did. She allowed her sorrow to drive her to prayer. One key element of her prayer was that it was passionate. It came from the heart. The second half of verse 10 says, And prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. Wept sore is an important phrase because it indicates emotion. This wasn't emotionalism because it didn't end in itself. It was emotion, deep within her, that drove her to call on the Lord. She said to Eli in verse 16, Out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She prayed silently before Eli. Her words were between her and God, but they were not vain words. There was passion behind them. James 5 and 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Her prayer was effectual and fervent because of the passion and the emotion that she had. Her passion was derived from the fact that she so desperately wanted a child. 
The word for prayer in James, in the Greek, means to be in want or lack, praying for a specific felt need that is personal and urgent, a heartfelt petition arising out of a deep personal need, a sense of lack and want. Hannah had these elements. She had a need. She lacked a child, and she wanted one. And because of this, she gave her heartfelt petition to God. And because she did this in faith, her prayer availed much. God heard her prayer, and her petition was answered. Hannah is not the only person that we find in Scripture who prayed with real passion. Along with many other human examples, we even find Christ himself praying with intense passion. And we see how emotion and pain drove him to prayer. Luke 22 and 44 tells us, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. His prayer was intense, because it was from the heart, which is why it availed much. We, like Hannah, have to let our pain and emotion drive us to prayer. The next important element of her prayer is the vow. Verse 11 tells us of the vow. It says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Her making of this vow gave even more meaning to her prayer than it already had, because it put an action to the words, and it paired faith with works. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning in the first verse, says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for ye have no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice, and destroy the work of thine hand? Verse 4 gives us a command. It says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. This isn't optional, and it's not a suggestion. If a vow is made, it must be fulfilled in full. The only choice involved in this process at all is whether to make the vow or not. Verse 5 said, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. We should never make a vow if we don't have the intention of fulfilling it. It's better to never vow. This is an example of verse 2, being rash with our mouths and being hasty to utter things before God. Making a vow is a sacred act. It's similar to going into a covenant. It shouldn't be taken lightly. It's a serious matter. Hannah took it seriously. She made a vow to God. And we see later in the chapter and then throughout Samuel's life that her vow was fulfilled. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 25 through 28, it tells us, And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. This vow also shows the depth of her faith. 
After she had waited all that time and cried all those tears, God heard her cry and gave her a son. Instead of keeping her son for herself, which would have been the natural thing to do, she gave him right back to God to serve in his temple, which was a great sacrifice for her. Samuel became, in one way, her first fruits offering to God. It all began with her making a vow to the Lord and keeping it. Her vow led to Samuel, becoming one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever seen. The last element of the prayer that we need to look at is the burden. Hannah came to the temple with a burden. She came in bitterness. She came in sorrow, in grief, in pain, and in hurt. This was the burden that she came with. It was a heavy burden that she was attempting to carry all on her own. Even though this is the way she came, we find that this wasn't the way that she left. There was a transition. A change took place. Our prayers are the way that we release our power, and they're also the way through which we release our burdens. When she prayed, she transferred the burden. She gave it to the Lord. And once the Lord took the burden, the result was now in His hands. And in the place of the burden, He gave her peace and hope and joy. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord took Hannah's burden and gave her rest. He gave her rest from the anxiety and the worry, rest from the aggravation, and rest from the sorrow and grief. And we see the moment that the burden lifted. Verses 17 through 18 of 1 Samuel chapter 1 tells us, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. The key phrase here is her countenance was no more sad. The Lord removed the sorrow from her and restored to her the joy of life. It's important that we understand that the burden was lifted. This leads us to the next part of our study. The next lesson that we learn from this chapter has to do with how she reacted to this. Right after the Lord removed the burden from her in verse 18, we find an interesting reaction in the next verse. Verse 19 says, And they rose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. The first thing that they did the next day was worship the Lord. They didn't waste any time. We have to remember that this was a number of months before the answer to her prayer arrived in Samuel. But she still worshipped and praised the Lord even without having received the answer yet. This is an example of what we spoke about last week. She was freed from the bondage of fear of being barren. She had given her burden to the Lord, and now she was freed to worship. And the very next day, she came before the Lord in a spirit of worship. She was freed from all the devices that the enemy was trying to use to make her give up hope. In the place of all the pain and sorrow, God gave her a heart overflowing with worship and praise. This is a demonstration of the goodness of our God. He cares for us and always has something better prepared for us. This is also an example of Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3, which tells us, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, 
to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Hannah received these blessings from the Lord. She received beauty. She received the oil of joy. And she received the garment of praise. Hannah could have continued living in pain and sorrow, like many do today. But she instead allowed the Lord to turn her pain into worship. She enjoyed the truest form of freedom, the type that only God can give. She also enjoyed rest from the Lord. She was free to rest in His promises and rest in His word and claim in faith what belonged to her. We today, like Hannah, need to allow the Lord to turn our pain into worship. We need to worship at all times, no matter what things may seem like in the natural. And when we do, we will be able to rest in the promises of God and in His word. The last lesson that we learned from this chapter, we find at the end of verse 19. The last phrase of verse 19 referring to Hannah says, And the Lord remembered her. This was a direct answer to prayer. In verse 11 she said, If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid. Nine months before she would see the manifestation of her prayer, the Lord was already working on it. He was preparing the answer. She was on the Lord's mind. He was thinking about her and her desires, because she was the apple of his eye. This offers us a great insight into the character of the God that we serve. It's important that we realize and understand the depth of his care and concern for Hannah, because as his people, he has the same care and concern for us. Although we may go through times of sorrow and pain and grief, the Lord never forsakes us, and he never forgets us. He remembers us. We're on his mind. He's thinking about our desires and our futures. He's planning out every detail of our lives because we're the apple of his eye and because he always wants what is best for us. David said in Psalm 17 and 8, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. We're the apple of his eye because he delights in us. David said in Psalm 18 and 19, He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Psalm 147 and 11 also tells us, The Lord take a pleasure in them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Once we understand how the Lord sees us, and understand that he delights in us, we can follow Hannah's lead. We can make the desire of our heart known to him in prayer. We can give him the burden, and then we can rest in his promises. He gives us a great promise in Psalm 37 and 4, which says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We need to stand on this promise and claim it for ourselves in faith. He will do the same for us as he did for Hannah. He'll give us beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let's make the choice today to continue to worship the Lord as he brings these blessings to pass in our lives. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that today we are the apple of your eye. Lord, we know that we are made in your likeness and in your image. And because of this, Lord, we know that you delight in us as your people, as we faithfully serve you. Lord, today we make the decision to come before you with our desires and our hopes, our dreams and our aspirations, and leave them before you on your altar as we come before you in a spirit of worship and in praise. Lord, we know that many of these things that you have placed deep within us may seem unlikely in the natural. They may not seem possible. But Lord, we know that when we bring these things to you, that you transform what seems impossible into what is possible. 
because we know that with you nothing is impossible. Lord, we thank you that you transform these things so that they can manifest in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you take thought of us and that you not only take thought of us as who we are, but take thoughts of our desires. Lord, we thank you that you have set us apart as your people and that you are bringing these things to pass in our lives right now. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done in our life, all that you're doing, and all those great things that you are going to do. Lord, we know that you are faithful. We know that you are good. And we know that you never leave and never forsake your people, that you always remember us. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to receive the same blessings as Hannah did and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.